Netflix makes a solid argument against democracy on this consumer goods edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining you here from Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Tuesday, September 22nd, 2015, and joining me is the man who's living large and taking charge, Vincent Shen. How's it going today, Vince? You had to go with that lead in, didn't you? I had to. <laughs> uh, for all of our listeners, Netflix actually is not arguing in favor of democracy, but uh, they're, I don't know, kind of limiting downloading options, basically, sure. which is what I'm alluding yes, to. Yes, exactly. Uh, we've got lots to talk about today, including layoffs at Groupon and Disney getting into virtual reality. Uh, but first, I've been dying to talk about some statements that the product head of Netflix, Neil Hunt, recently made in response to Amazon's Pro- Amazon Prime's move to allow users to download uh, content to their actual you know, their hard drives. Um, so, Vince, what's actually going on here? Sure. So... Um, Amazon recently uh, unveiled, you know, another perk basically for their Prime Video service that allows users to download. Um, I think it was like five hours of content or something right. along those lines uh, for offline viewing, which is important if you're traveling or if you're in somewhere where you don't have Wi-Fi or data access. Right. right? Which is the reason they cited for doing this. Exactly. And ultimately, all these streaming services they're pushing this idea of they want their users to have access wherever whenever and however they want to view it be it on a mobile dev- on a phone tablet pc laptop whatever now netflix says consumers are better off not being able to download content or i should say neil hunt made that statement what do you think um what are the I've, nuances of the situation you know he has some interesting i guess in perspective or insight into the situation and in that you know he cited a few tests they did with their service where uh something as small as adding for rating content for example you know users can rate with stars a tv show or movie and even adding half a star option re- resulted in less people actually using that feature so oh, wow he's arguing that you know the added complexity of potentially letting people download their content, their content for online viewing, having to basically prepare for that before a trip or something. It's just not something that he thinks users will necessarily want. He'd prefer to find other ways to make Netflix available for people, even when uh, there's no Wi-Fi access or something. And they definitely are doing this. Yeah. So you mentioned right uh, some of the uh, servers and other things they're instituting. Uh, on on airplanes, for example. So I had heard that uh, they're trying to work to get these. Uh, how do they describe it? Oh, Open Connect servers. Yeah, yeah I was about is? to say. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Um, yeah, they're Open Connect servers, which store all of Netflix's content within a small p- footprint device. Um, that actually sounded. I don't know. I was like, how are you going to get all of Netflix's stuff on these things? <laughs> okay. Um, Hunt thinks the you know again the product head uh, thinks that those servers could be placed on planes as a supplement to replace uh, current in-flight entertainment. Um, this essentially would solve the problem of limiting bandwidth on a plane. Um, so it, again, but though it's tethering yourself to Wi-Fi. And, um, like, you know, I'll drive, you know, one or two hours with my family, and they might want to watch Netflix and not use our cell phone's data. So, I, I get what they're trying to do, but... Mm. Yeah, I understand. I can. I think another reason why they're probably reluctant to do it, other than, you know, their argument about the added complexity, they don't potentially think that users will, will actually... Um, you know, be do- downloading a lot of offline content is the fact that it'll probably have an impact on their content costs. Right. Um, so, 
you know, while Amazon has the ability to use because uh, they don't care about making money. Uh, yeah, exactly. You can make no. that argument, right? <laughs> a lot of people do, but basically the idea that Amazon can use their prime perks like video as a loss leader to get people to sign up and then do a lot of shopping for physical goods with them. You know, Netflix has their one business streaming their streaming video and that's just not as big of an option for them cuz every each little increase in their uh Content acquisition costs hits their bottom line like very right. significantly. So I, I guess what I've kind of taken away is Netflix isn't necessarily arguing against democracy. They're really just following the KISS rule, which is keeping it simple, stupid. Yes, exactly. Cool. Okay. Well, moving on. Uh, it's actually kind of a sad story, but uh, it is actually interesting because we are talking about consumer goods stocks, of course. Uh, Groupon is laying off 1,100 people at a cost of $35 million in severance charges. Um, and it's shuttering operations in seven countries. Um, shares are trading hands at just about four bucks, down from a high of twenty-five dollars following its IPO in twenty twelve. Um, what did you think when you read this headline, Vince? Not really surprised. Ultimately, this company is, and it has been in a bit of a you know turnaround effort, right? Trying to transition from its original state of being daily deal site to more of like a right a more diversified. Well, they're trying to be a uh, kind of like a, a Costco bulk shipping kind of marketplace. I remember um, uh, a year ago we did a show and Groupon. You know, this is just an example, but they had like a package of like sixteen razor blades for, and that was a daily deal, and you could get it shipped to your house and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, That's an interesting comparison to Costco, actually. Yeah. No, it definitely is. Um, I remember, and this doesn't surprise me at all, that the marketplace is kind of their Hail Mary throw because um, the Groupons, they're great deals. And I still go to Groupon's website when I'm maybe looking for a deal on, and actually I just did this recently, on uh, getting an auto detailing, cleaning the interior of my car. Sure. That's fine and everything, but um, immediately... And I don't think I'm alone in this. You you call up the place and try to you know just see if they're accepting it, and then the place is just like, oh, come on in. You know, don't even worry about that because they of course have to pay Groupon. Um, and that happened uh, e- uh, even more recently. My wife um, cracked her cell phone screen, and we had to go get it replaced and fixed and everything. And the place actually said, yeah, we'll honor it. Just come in. And Groupon didn't get anything out of that. They're basically just you know playing advertiser at that point, and they not they weren't even getting money. So, um, Groupon figure out a way to block the, the the people that are doing it, I guess. So yeah, you know with these with these layoffs, which are coming from a lot of I think their sales and customer service departments. Um, you know, they're the the markets that they're exiting specifically include Morocco, Panama. Uh, Philippines, Taiwan, Thailand, Uruguay, and Puerto Rico. And they recently also exited Turkey, Greece, and India. Wow. So they're kind of circling the wagons right now. So they're now. definitely not pulling back on the United States market or anything. Um, no, it just seems like they're circling the wagons, focusing their efforts, I prob- obviously, on what I imagine to be their most profitable markets right. and their strongest markets. And the thing, you know, they've also been doing some interesting things, diversifying. Um, into, for example, the potential food delivery with Groupon to go. Right. Um, I think they tested that in Chicago, which actually might have some legs. And if I understand um, it correctly. And an interesting behind that service is that they're trying to stick with their brand image of offering their customers good deals. So, you know, a, a sell for their delivery service is potentially getting ten percent off on your order if you order through that Groupon to go service. Right. Um, and that one. They expect to start launching out more over the next couple day uh, over the next uh, few months into new markets, 
Uh, but that it's just part of their their consolidation efforts, really. Cool. Okay. Well, before we move on to discussing the future of Hollywood, I wanted to reiterate once again a very special offer to join the Motley Fool Stock Advisor newsletter for all industry-focused listeners. As a loyal IF listener, you have access to a special discount on Stock Advisor that works out to $129 for a full two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of this deal. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And moving on to our next topic, it seems that Disney wants to lock us all in the Matrix. Vince, would you rather be Neo or Morpheus and Red Pill or Blue Pill? <laughs> That's a good way to put this. I think I don't think that virtuality is quite that immersive, but I get what you're saying. Uh, so basically what happened with... I picked the Red Pill. <laughs> Which one is the one again? I think Blue is... Oh, shoot. I don't even know. Uh, it's it. been like 10 years since I've seen the first all one. Right, so Disney, importantly here, is... They were involved in the latest, uh, I think it was a Series C round of funding for a virtual reality company called Jaunt. Now, Jaunt's typically focused, or their, I guess their core model is usually been based on the software and the cameras that uh, are kind of driving the technology. Which I, correct me if I'm wrong. Reality. I have to think that uh, that's actually what's required of virtual reality. We probably have the technology with Oculus Rift and everything. So that is, you know, they're pushing on the on like the camera front, for example, to make and also the processing for the uh, footage. Massive amounts of data, right? Exactly, yeah. um, and that, that's kind of reflected too in their previous rounds of funding. Now, most recently, you know, this this round that in, uh, included Disney, Evolution Media Partners, China Media Capital, Madison Square Garden. Now, I want you to keep those names in mind because. It's uh, John's previous rounds of funding usually included more Silicon Valley names. So I think uh, it was Google Ventures. I'm sure Peter Thiel Capital. Was in there. No. <laughs> um, and I guess it was you know you could think about that focus more Silicon Valley side, more tech side. Now right. this one, a lot of media companies. And, well, in Madison Square Garden, am I going to be able to sit in the stands at an NBA game? Like, what's so the- I think that's potentially part of what John wants to do. So they're starting to transition some of their focus to the media, the content side. Um, and it's interesting because CEO of the company, uh, John Christensen, I think is how you say his name. He previously talked about how virtual virtual reality technology was basically out pacing content um and people are really wowed when they first try on a headset i was right. i tried the oculus oh, no, earlier this year it's really yeah. great but uh the problem is that they need more and more quality content to keep people coming back because only i would imagine very few i assume you tried it out with a video game like i did yes right? exactly um not a lot of uh, video games that are equipped to work with this so actually you know john wants to focus on non-video game high quality content and okay. they have said that they'll start create as many as a thousand pieces of content over the next 18 so months. is this walking through a field or is it an nba game or they ha- and the, th- the interesting thing is they have kind of like a three-prong approach to this um they want to cover live events so think concerts sports like you mentioned madison square garden being uh you know having f- uh floor seats yeah. at a game would be incredible right, right? having that experience um, but also I could be Jack Nicholson at a Lakers game <laughs> <laughs> exactly so they also want to cover potentially journalism so news stories they all, I think they recently had a partnership with I think it was ABC News and uh, they also want to cover more traditional narrative storytelling so if you go to their website and you go to their content they have a bunch of examples they have a kind of a scary horror based uh, example that's called Black Mass okay and then they also have uh a performance 
from Paul McCartney, I believe it is. So it's very interesting, uh, this three-prong approach, and it kind of makes sense to have these partnerships now that they're establishing with these investors. So this round of funding raised $65 million. Uh, in total, they've raised about $100 million, making the most, making them the most well-funded virtual rally startup at this point. And this is um, you know, $65 million, a third of which, it sounds like, ballpark, came from Disney. Um, that's not a lot of money to Disney. So they're clearly just throwing out a line, planting a seed, seeing what happens. But at the same time, though, when, you know, when the fact that they have skin in the game, I think, will make them more likely to work uh, to be a partner to this right. company. Because I think a lot of... Hollywood and the media companies are seeing the opportunity here, but not really sure how to approach it. Right, and it's really interesting. Which I really think it's great what John's doing because you know they've opened up their own studio. They hired a bunch of Lucasfilm veterans. Oh, that to would, run it. Yeah. Um, so they're really positioning themselves here to to be kind of uh, potentially at the forefront for the content production. And so them being able to straddle the you know the cameras, the software, that technology side, but also the media and the content side could put them in a very powerful position for when and if virtual reality really takes off. Some people have, are skeptical; they think it might be like 3D, which you know all those 3D TVs that came out generally not done that well, flopped pretty much. But at the same time. Um, you know, mobile is going to be really important. You already have a lot of mobile devices that are capable of running VR content with something like Google Cardboard. Mm -hmm. And then you also have Samsung uh, is releasing its Gear virtual reality uh, headset potentially with a full consumer launch late this year. Oh, wow. So it's we're at the beginning stages now. And yeah. then, you know, great devices, I'm sure, will be coming out with Oculus as well. Now, are we going to are is the industry going to be able to keep people coming back with engaging content we shall see and our final story and on a little bit of a positive note given you know talked about layoffs groupon and stuff um pandora stock popped yesterday following a, ro a royalty case ruling uh which i have to assume was in their favor yes um what uh what was the deal all right so i think the main uh way i want to paint this story is to put in the context of the fact that, kind of like Netflix, Pandora's number one uh, biggest cost is their content. Right. Okay. So they have got to pay, pay the artists. They got to pay royalties. Yeah. For uh, and and the royalties are calculated on a per stream basis. Um, so basically, what happened is um, there's a lot of formal names here, but the Register of Copyright basically rec recognized a previous deal between Pandora and. Uh, Merlin, and basically said that previous deal can potentially serve as a benchmark for royalty rate dis uh, negotiations going forward into the future. Um, the thing is, it's not a final decision. Um, the Copyright Royalty Board will make the final decision later this year on what those rates will be, uh, but it's a very, very strong uh, sign that things will right. come out in favor for Pandora. Uh, so... Um, since it's in favor of Pandora, that means lower costs, which could have a di very direct impact on Pandora's bottom line. So the royalty costs are like half, right? I mean, oh, it's, yeah. It's so their, their content costs usually come out over 50%. Or if not, yeah. around fifty or over fifty percent of revenue. So we're not small numbers by any means. Dropping that by five percent is an automatic, you know, five percent to and, the, and or ten percent would be an automatic five. And to give to you some perspective, line, yeah. um, so the the party that the Pandora is, is negotiating with, uh, the 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 more important one in this case is called Sound, is Sound Exchange, and they want the rates to go to nearly double to about a quarter cent per stream. Whoa! So the fact that they're potentially able to bring that down, yeah, um, especially for their 
uh, ad-based listening, which makes up the majority of their revenue, it could have a really significant impact on the bottom line. And the thing is, Pandora hasn't been profitable. I don't know if you know this, but um, regarding sound exchange, um, you said they wanted to double it to a quarter of a yeah, penny I was per... To, I th- it's at, could Pandora have afforded that? It would have been a, uh, like that, would have been a very, very big uh, drag in... The fact that you know they're already not they're already having it's hard the, for Pandora to not have music <laughs> exactly. So the thing is, you know, the con- they need the content. It's something that they'd have to kind of just uh, take the hit on. But this is a really beneficial uh, decision or ruling so far, indication for Pandora, and um, that is a big driver for obviously for the fifteen percent pop. But the thing is, stuck. It came back down. Yeah, it did come back down. I, th- yeah. I think it, people kind of tempered their expectations, which is understandable. Um, and ultimately, the company has been in the red for some time, and this is a potentially that turning point for them where it's like, okay, going forward, you know, a lot of bears I think were nervous about content costs consistently rising and basically preventing Pandora from ever locking in a profit. But now, assuming that problem is addressed next five years or so, Mm -hmm. uh, we might see Pandora finally uh, bring in some profits. Cool. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Vince. We covered a lot of ground today. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Vincent Shen, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!